Awesome. Thanks, Britt. <laughs> all right. I love that. I'm, I'm super excited that we're doing that. If you know me at all, you know I like kids. Um, and so it's a lot of fun having them all gathered up. Um, before we get started today, a couple of, a couple of real quick things. Um, we are kind of beta testing s- several different pieces of software that all work together. Um, there is a digital bulletin if you go to faithlife.com slash TGPW. You can pull that up on your smartphone and that will have our set list on there. It's going to have upcoming events. It's going to have notes from our sermon um, this morning. Uh, it's going to have questions for Life Group for later in the week. All that's kind of in one place. There's a couple of different apps that you can download also where that uh, information is available. Just search for Faith Life in the, uh, in the App Store, whether it's Android or iOS, and, and that stuff's up there. Yeah, thanks, Anna. This is some of that new software. So with that said, we're testing some things. Uh, we, we're going to do this through Advent, Advent just to kind of see if we like it. And, and here's what I've told uh, the, the people that are working in this. If it's a distraction or if it causes more work, we're nixing it. So this may be around for a couple of weeks, and we may decide this is not worth uh, our time, and we'll get rid of it, and you'll never see it again. But in the meantime, fool around with it. I, I ask that you not fool around with it as much when we're, when we're spending our time together this morning. But um, if you do download it, it'll have our slides on there. I've created an outline with fill in the blanks. If you're into that, awesome. If you're not, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, I just did that for your convenience. And I also have some of those printed, so if you don't have a smartphone, or um, for kids or whatever, if you like to fill in the blanks, Brittany's got some copies of that. I didn't make a bunch, but I made a few of those. So um, anyway, y'all can, y'all can check that out. So last week we talked about um, a lot of different things, but we talked specifically about God choosing to come in humility, that he began this process of redemption um, of his people uh, through coming as a child. We looked at how he, he gave up his power in order to become something that was dependent upon, other thi- uh, upon uh, parents and that he, he laid down some of, his, um, of who he is, some of his godliness in order to come uh, as a baby. We looked at the differences between God's disposition and Satan's disposition and, and how we can see how different those are, that God came in humility. He came with the intention of serving us, whereas Satan uh, wanted glory for himself, and that was due to his pride. And so we see this, this polar opposites of between God and, and between who Satan is. And, and obviously our desire should, should be to, to be like God, right? Living in humility, um, which, you know, we... We talked about last week, that's thinking less of our, of ourself, but not thinking less of ourselves. Does that make sense? So we're, we're thinking of ourselves less, not thinking less of ourselves. Uh, so today we're going to look at uh, a couple of different sections in the Christmas story. And, and I want to be honest with you guys right up front. Um, a couple of weeks ago I was praying about where we're going to go in Advent, what we're going to talk about. And I had to ask God to get me excited about Christmas, okay? And, and let, me, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. How many of you guys uh, really enjoy music and you get a new album and you play it until you're sick of hearing it? Anybody? Yeah. All right, Luke. All right, so I am that way. I'll get a new album and I'm so excited about it and I listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. And then from like forever until like, I don't know, a decade has passed, I don't want to hear that album anymore, okay? And that's, that's kind of where I found myself with Christmas. And it's not, um, it wasn't because of the spiritual aspect of it, it was just, I don't know, Christmas is stressful. Like, it was a lot of fun when I was a kid, but now that I'm the responsible one that has to create all that fun, it's not as much fun. I know some of you guys can, can identify with that. And so I, I, didn't want to, um, I didn't want to preach from a place of, like, this is just something i got to do, right? That's not a, I, I never want that to be our motivation. And so I just got with God and said, okay, look, I need you to, 
to help me with this, to get me excited, and, and, and he has done that. So today, we're going to talk about the anguish of Advent. I'm not super crazy about that title, but it's the best I could do. Um, and, and last week, Glenn, as he was ending, he said, you know, I know today's kind of heavy, and that's not the intent, and today is going to feel heavy, It maybe not so much towards the end, but as I was studying the Christmas story this week, I just... The Lord was just showing to me some things that I felt like was for today that we needed to talk about. So um, we're going to look today at how much of the story um, of Christmas, of Advent, Advent is a word that means the coming, right? It's the coming of Christ. Um, we're going to see how a lot of that is about suffering, about the people who are involved in that story are suffering, but God has intentions behind that suffering and he uses that for his glory and for ours and for those around me. So let's jump in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. Okay. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with the child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her, not willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as she considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until, they had, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then let's also look at Luke chapter, one verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Okay, so point number one I want to make today is that following Christ will be difficult and it's going to cause us to become outcast. Some of you guys have experienced that already in your own life, okay? For, for Mary and Joseph, as I'm digging into this passage this week, you know, we all know that Mary's a virgin. That's, you know, the big point of Christmas uh, is that God did something that can't be claimed to have been done by a man. What I didn't know, and, and I was telling this to Bethany, she's like, how did you not know that? Well, I grew up Methodist, and we didn't talk about this in the Methodist church a whole lot. Maybe y'all did in the Baptist church. But for Mary... The, the penalty of becoming pregnant outside of marriage was a death sentence. If you go back and you look at Deuteronomy chapter 22, and 20, uh, chapter 22 verses uh, 23 and 24, it says very clearly that if a woman is caught uh, in the act of adultery, she is to be dragged out of her father's home and stoned to death. Okay, so when the angel comes to Mary and says, you are with child, but don't be afraid, there's a reason he's telling her don't be afraid. He's not saying, don't be afraid because an angel's standing in front of you. He's saying, don't be afraid because an angel's standing in front of you, but also, don't be afraid, I'm gonna, your, your life will not be taken, okay? The family, I, I, I noticed this, this week as I'm, as I'm thinking about this and as, I'm, as I'm, I'm processing what's going on in this story, that when they move from, when, they, when, when they're traveling to Bethlehem to be registered, it's really obvious that at least Joseph's family is also going there. Everyone had to go. But as they travel, we see them traveling alone. 
They're not with their family. Their families are not part of them. I don't know about you guys, but when I travel with my family, we go together as a group. And nobody has to go find a random place to stay on their own because everybody's going to take care of one another. But we don't see that happening in this story. And, and in this culture, people, like it was not uncommon for a lot of people to stay in one house, for extended families to, to stay together. And so the fact that Mary and Joseph are not only traveling alone, but then have to go seek another place to stay reveals something really important to us. That as Mary and Joseph choose to obey what the Lord is doing in their lives, as they choose to walk in that, that they're being outcast from those that love them the most. I think that's an important thing for us to consider. And I know that for me and for some of you guys, that if you have uh, obeyed what God has called you to do, that you've caught some ridicule from those that love you the most. And I think that that's a normal part of the process because we've talked about before that when, as you move from a place of, of not understanding to understanding, there's growth that happens and not everybody that's in your life is going to grow along with you, okay? If we look at it, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 1 verse 19, we see that, that upon Joseph's discovery that Mary is pregnant, he desi- decides to divorce her. It says that he considered these things. So Joseph, his right in their culture was to divorce her and she would be shamed forever. She would, not, she would not be eligible for marriage if she wasn't killed because at this point in, in, in history, they, didn't, they weren't stoning people as often as they did whenever that law was first given. They had, had laxed on it a little bit, but she certainly would have had to live a life of shame with a child that didn't have a father, right? And so that was a big deal, and, and, and Joseph uh, decides on his own. He says, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divorce her. God's purpose, I think, in having them alone as outcast was part of his plan to enter the world with humility. He didn't, he didn't want to come into um, a, a family that people could look at and go, you know, that family's got a lot of honor. They got a lot of integrity. Those are good people over there. Not saying that they weren't, but I think that the emphasis that God wanted to make through his birth is that the things that we are able to do as humans are not what qualify us. I think that the whole point of Mary and Joseph having to suffer is to clearly say to you and I that even in the the midst of of things going completely wrong, God can use us. And, And that when he does that, God is the one that gets the glory and not us or not our families. Our goodness isn't what gets pointed out. You know, there's there's gonna be times when our suffering is gonna be a necessary part of our journey with the Lord. That's part of it. And we don't always get to see the end results of why we're going through that suffering. We just know that we're there. Uh, I'll give you guys a great example. When Bethany and I, and some of you have heard this story before, but about 11 years ago, Bethany called God and I to go to Rockwall, Texas to help plant a church. We prayed about it for nearly a year. We were confident the Lord told us to go. We were there for about eight months, and the bottom fell out. The guy that was leading the church uh, I'm convinced, just quit listening to God, tried to take control of things himself, and, and things disintegrated very quickly, uh, and, and we moved back home. There's a lot of details that go into that, but when we, and, and guys, you can appreciate this, we, it, we literally spent every penny we had, Bethany and I, to move to Rockwall, because when we were young and married, we were broke as a joke, okay? We, so we, to the penny, God provided the money that we needed to move to Rockwall. We got there, we got in a lease on the cheapest house we could find. And we had to break the lease, so we didn't get our deposit back. So we're having to move back home, and I don't have a dime to my name. I'd been working all that time, but we were making just enough to make ends meet. And so we, we, we have to leave the lease because we can't afford it anymore. And I had to move in with my in-laws. So guys, if you've never had to do that, it's terrible. <laughs> my in-laws are awesome, but nobody wants to live with their in-laws. And I'll, just, I'll say that out loud. We, so when we get back, I'm devastated. 
and, and I'm, I'm in a state of depression, and I'm saying, God, I know, I'm confident. I have written for nearly a year you speaking that we're supposed to go do this, and it fell apart. Now, the rest of that story is shortly after we moved back, Glenn and Talitha found out we were back in town, and they said, hey, let's get together and have lunch. And we did, and it wasn't long after that that Bethy and I came on staff here at the gathering place. And now we're here, and we get to do this. But in the middle of that suffering, it did not feel good. It was not enjoyable. And I knew that God had spoken, but I, I couldn't see what God was doing. And I have to think that Mary and Joseph, even though the angels are coming to them and saying, this is what's coming, this, this Messiah that's been prophesied for thousands of years, he's coming in you. They know that part of the story, but in the moment, it sucks. And as you and I are walking out our faith, as we are trying to, to live in humility, trying to be like God, we're going to find ourselves in places where we've, we've lessened ourselves and we've put ourselves under people and in situations where they're not comfortable. But God uses that stuff. Number two, this was a brand new thought for me. Our suffering is not always about us. I want you to hang with me for a Think about this, okay? My life as a believer is not about me. Okay, it seems like it would be. It's logical that it would be. We think this is my life, therefore the things that happen to me are about me. But as believers, this life is not our own. When I gave my life to Christ, I did exactly that. I gave it to him. So it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to him. So track with me. If my life is not my own, when things happen to me, they may not be about me. They may be about the people that are around me. You gave up your life and your right to it the day of your salvation. And, and therefore, the things that happen in your life are not about you. They're about the work that God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you. Look at the Christmas story. I want you to see this truth. Let's think about the characters that are in it. Let's think about Joseph. Let's think about Mary. Let's think about Zachariah, John the Baptist's dad. Let's think about Elizabeth, his mother. These things that happen in their lives, these things that they are having to suffer through, they're not about them. The Christmas story is not about Joseph. It's not about Mary. It's not about Zachariah. It's not about Elizabeth. It's about Jesus. But they all had to suffer so that he could come in the way that he was coming. Did they benefit in the long term from the suffering? Absolutely. Will you benefit from the, from the suffering that you're going in? Without a doubt. If the Lord is, is, is working in your life and allowing you to go through a season of suffering, there's a purpose behind it. You may not know what it is in the moment. I can look back on my experience in Rockwall and say, okay, God, I'll see what you did there. Now I can look back and say hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can see all the things that the Lord was doing in order to get us up to a place where we were ready to be a part of the gathering place. But when I was in the middle of it, when you're in the trenches, you can't see out of them. You just know you're in them. Okay? Number three. When life gets difficult, we need to ask God what he's doing. When we're in the middle of suffering, a lot of times we get so buried in it that we're just trying to dig our way out. We're doing everything in our power and everything that we can think of to try to get ourselves out of the place that we're in. Let's look at, at Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city named Galilee, uh, a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Gabriel brings news to Mary, and an angel standing before her, and he says, Look, this is what's going to happen. But she asked questions. She didn't understand. And she said, hold on, wait a minute. What's going on? When we're in the middle of a, of a time where we're suffering, when we're in anguish, it's really, really important that we say, hey, God, what are you doing? And that's not disrespectful. I know that if my child came to me and was like, Dad, what are you doing? I'd be like, why are you asking me? I'm your dad. God's not like me. He's a lot better than I am. Amen, Russ? Okay. We can go to God and say, hey, God, look. This sucks. I, I don't like what's going on right now. What's going on in my life? Can you give me some clues as to what's happening here? That's what Mary did. She responds with faith and obedience. She asks questions. The angel answers her, and she says, okay, let it be the way you say it's going to be. I'm willing to do this. Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, and, and if the timeline is correct the way I read it, she goes, and she's there about three months. Okay, So the angel comes to Mary tells her she's going to be pregnant. She leaves and goes and sees Elizabeth. Three months later, she gets back and is like, hey, Joe, and the belly's poked out. And he's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> hold up. It's not mine, right? Okay. Joseph, though, he doesn't ask God. He makes a decision based out of his own morality and goodness. Joseph sees that Mary's pregnant, and he panics because in their culture there's a need to. Okay, it's a little different than it is today. And he makes a decision out of his own morality. He says, you know what, the right thing to do is for me to divorce her quietly and let her be on her way, not make a big, because he had the opportunity to, to ruin her life, make a big procession of it all. But he says, I'm going to do this quietly and let her be on her way. Okay, but God sends an angel to explain to Joseph what's going on. He says, hey, look, Joe, here's what's happening. Okay, God in his mercy and in his grace redeems us. When we don't ask, when we're in the middle of suffering and we try to fix it ourselves and we make it even worse, God can come in and redeem that. Had Joseph divorced Mary, we'd have a completely different story. Things would not have worked out. And obviously God did not want that to happen. So he sends an angel and says, hey, Joseph, let me let you in on the plan. Here's what's happening. Okay. He goes to Joseph in a dream and he shows him what he wants him to do. Number four, our willingness to suffer reveals the truth about how much we love God. Mary and Joseph obeyed God because they feared him. They didn't necessarily do it out of love. An angel shows up to you and says, hey, do this thing. You're probably going to go, okay, because I'm scared to death. Okay? Listen, listen to this quote from, from Tim Keller in the book Hidden Christmas. Y'all heard me reference this last year. I read it again this year, and it's phenomenal. Uh, definitely a good read if you've got time. It says, but when human beings begin, uh, begin excuse me, let me start over. But when human beings chose to throw off God's rule in their lives, it broke the relationship with God, and they were filled with fear and became subject of terror. That's out of Genesis 3, 8 through 10. The lie of the serpent went into their hearts. He said, you need to be in charge of your life. 
Don't let anybody else be in charge, including God, because then you won't be happy. You'll miss out on what's best for you. That distortion has been passed down into every human heart, and it creates a fear of trusting God. That's the fear that Mary and, and Joseph live under, this constant fear of not meeting up to the standard that God has set for them. You see, when God originally created us, the goal was to be in relationship with us, to have perfect union with, with the, the beings that he created. But, but right at the beginning, Satan comes in and he lies to, to Adam and Eve. And from that point on, after they sin, humans live in fear of God. And this whole story of redemption, this Christmas story is that, that we are in a new place. God is making a new covenant by sending his son in the way that he did to say, look, I'm going to fix the problem that you created. I'm going to redeem what's going on. And so Mary and Joseph are still living under the old covenant. And so when God comes to them and says, this is the thing that I'm going to do, they respond out of fear. But we don't live under that same covenant anymore. When God comes to us, he wants our motivation not to be fear because we have no reason to fear. Because Jesus has created the path that we need for us to become perfect so we can be in God's presence. And so when we look at the Christmas story, we see them respond out of fear. But the point of the story is that we don't have to anymore. We are getting to a place where we can now respond out of love. Out of obedience, out of love. Okay? When, when we were walking in dead religion, we still operated in that same fear. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you had a checklist of all the things you're supposed to do, that's what we see in dead religion. And, and you get to the end of your week, you're like, man, I missed my quiet time three times. And you feel guilty about that, right? That's the way we used to be. That's living in fear because we're afraid that God is displeased with us. But when we learn, learn to live under grace, we know that God loves us no matter what our actions are. And we can have comfort and, and joy in knowing that God has provided everything that's needed for us to be right in his eyes, that it's not based on our own understanding anymore. And so as we grow in our understanding of who God is, our motivation changes. Our motivation changes because now Jesus has provided the path that we need in order to get to God, okay? And then when that happens, we're willing to suffer not because we're afraid, but because we love God. There's going to be times in your life where God's going to call you to do something, and it's going to be costly, you know, I think of, of Kenneth and Christy Williams when God told them to move to Uganda. Look, y'all, they went from having indoor plumbing and electricity to not having either of those things. And she was like seven or eight months pregnant. And they already had four kids. Okay? That's, that's suffering for me. <laughs> that would be a sacrifice. But God said go and they went. And, and I can only imagine how difficult that was. And then as soon as they get there, they have the child... And then they adopt another child, and she breastfeeds two babies at the same time. I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even imagine what that's like, okay? But the result of that is, is that God was there, he used them, and now there are men in the region of Karamoja, in the most dangerous region of all Uganda, that know the gospel, they love the Lord, and they're preaching it. Because of Kenneth and Christie's decision to say, yes, we're going to do a really hard thing. We talk a lot about adoption and foster care, I do, from standing right here because it's something that I'm passionate about. But there is nothing that is more selfless than to adopt a child. To say, this is my life, I have it all organized, now let's throw a crazy baby in the middle of it. Okay, because that's what you get, alright? Because if it ain't yours, you don't know it and it doesn't know you and your whole world explodes. Can I get an amen from some foster parents in here? Like, <laughs> nothing is the same anymore. One day you're normal and the next day you're going, what did we do? Okay? But we do that not out of fear, 
but out of love. And here's what happens. When people see families like the, the Westbrooks or families like the Meeks who have taken a child in and they give up everything, they give up their schedules, they give up their sleep, they give up their sanity for the sake of loving that child, you know what it does? It communicates to the people in their life, not that they're good people, they are. But what it communicates is that they are being obedient to a God that is incredible. A God that says, those orphans are dear and precious to me and I want my people to take care of them. And, and here's what's cool is when you get to, to be on the outside and look into that process and you see that light bulb come on for people and they realize in that moment the immensity of God's love for his people by the way he is, he is calling some of them to suffer for the sake of others, it's unbelievable. My, uh, my kids went to a Christmas play that my sister's church was putting on and the, the kind of the theme of it was about orphans and taking care of orphans and, and my mom was telling me they were on the way home and Sally says, you know, um, I'm going to talk to my mom and dad, we really need to do that foster care thing. <laughs> and, it, and it got quiet in the car for a minute and, and my dad says, um, Sally, your mom and dad have done foster care. And then it got quiet again and then the light bulbs came on and they said, oh! Amy and Joshua, oh, okay. It, but it didn't, even though they lived in their home, it had never become real for them. But all of a sudden, they see this need through this play, which was incredible. They see that there's a need that's existing there. I think it's my fault. I got too, too close to the speakers. They see this need there. It becomes real for them. And, and the light bulb comes on. And, and then all of a sudden, they put all the pieces together, and now they understand something new about God. They understand what love is. They understand, because they got all emotional. Like, Sally came in last night, and she's like, okay, Dad, um, so I was thinking, we need to do a Christmas thing where we buy presents for orphans. Like, I got the idea from the play. I'm like, I, I know you did, okay? <laughs> but there's, she has a new understanding of who God is. Because she's been a part of this process, but she had never been able to step back and see it. And when she was able to step back and see what God was doing, she went, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And that glory doesn't go to me. She doesn't think Dad's great. She knows all my flaws. She lives with me, okay? Just like you knew your parents' flaws. She's looking at the whole process going, man, God loves his people. But that wouldn't have happened if we wouldn't have been willing to go through suffering. One of the things that God spoke to me in the middle of me praying about doing foster care and adoption, because I was scared of it, was he said to me, Will, you've got to suffer in order for that child to know love. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but as believers, we're going to be in places in our lives where God is going to say to you, you're fixing to go through a really hard time, but it's going to be for somebody else's sake. And we, we need to be willing to do that. This, this idea of, of our motivation changing because of our love this is, this is the joy of Christmas. This is where joy comes from. The Christmas story is what it is because Mary and Joseph were willing to go through things they were willing to go through. I don't know about you guys, but my family is super tight. My, my mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, I mean, we have our, our sibling and parental, you know, whatevers, but uh, beyond, you know, normal stuff. But beyond that, I mean, we're tight. Like, we eat together at least once a week. And, and I cannot imagine being in a place in my life where my parents said, I disown you. But that's what we see in our text. When, for Mary and Joseph to have to travel on their own to Bethlehem, where we know for sure Joseph's family was also going, that speaks a lot. But they went through all of that to obey what God 
told them to do. And as a result of that, we get this story of Christmas. We get to have a Savior who humbled himself and came in the form of a baby. And if Mary had not taken care of that baby, it would not have played out the way it, it did. Christmas story would not be what it is without them uh, deciding to suffer for his sake. Okay? The joy of Christmas is, is the fact that Jesus came so that he could redeem our relationship with God. This story that's been told for, for centuries is that Jesus, this Messiah, is coming and he's going to save us. And, and this is how it happens. God's original intent from the beginning was not for us to obey him out of fear, but to do it out of love. Jesus' coming marks the beginning of that repair process happening. And, and when we choose to suffer for the sake of others, when we choose to suffer uh, out of obedience to the Lord, it shows the people that are in our lives how much we love God, how significant He is to us. Uh, think about you know, uh, your children. You'd give up anything for them, not because you're scared of them, but because you love them. And, and the world is familiar with that concept. That's not a new thing. But when we, when we suffer not just for our own children, but for other people that are doing life with us, we've been talking about our life groups a ton and, and our need to live in these really tight communities. And, and when we do that and we start making sacrifices for one another, when we start living selfless lives, it communicates to the people that are in our lives that are not part of that group how much we love God. And then what happens after that is that, number five, our suffering reveals the truth about how much God loves his people. So not only are they seeing how much we love God, how much we're committed to, to being obedient to him out of our love, but it also reciprocates that and shows people how much God loves them. Mary and Joseph's obedience was the conduit in which the world was reconciled to God. It was because of what they did that the, the Christmas story happens in a way that God gets all the glory. Joseph obeyed and stood with Mary when he had every right to turn her away. Mary submitted to God's will even though it meant being disowned by her family. And it could have meant her life. The greatest love story that, that has ever happened happens in the Christmas story because people chose to obey and walk with God. God said, this is what I need you to do. And they said, I know it's going to be hard and it's going to suck, but I'm going to do it anyway. When we choose to walk in suffering out of love for God, it is a visible, real, tangible, use all those words, it makes God's love real in a way that it wasn't real for them before. God's desire for us as a people during Christmas is not just to sing Christmas carols and make a Christmas tree and give away good gifts. Those things are all good. There's nothing wrong with them. But the, the whole, for me, what I've discovered this year, this, this week, for me, what is Christmas it's about? It's about choosing to obey God even when it's not fun for the sake of those that God's put around me. The story of, of Jesus' entrance into the world is one that is incredibly beautiful. But it's beautiful because of the sacrifices that are made by the people that are involved in that story. The challenge that, that we receive from the text today, the challenge that we see in Scripture, we see in the Christmas story, is for us to get to a place where we love God enough to say, no matter what, I'll do it. And that's not something we just decide on our own. It's part of that process of growing in your relationship with him, that process of, of pursuing God 
daily. And as you do that, your motivation changes because you love him more, because you're discovering more about him. I love that this week that my, my 12-year-old was so excited about foster care and adoption. And, and to me, it seems silly that she would just now have this revelation. But she is only 12, okay? But for the first time, she got to see it from the outside. And, and for me, that's what I want for you guys. I want you guys to, as you're walking with the Lord, as you're having experiences, as you're sacrificing for one another, you're putting others in places of position that are higher than yourself, that that would cause you to, to fall deeper in love with God and that you would learn new things about God, that you would see new parts of his character that we've never seen before, that that would open our eyes to, to the things that we thought we knew but we didn't quite understand. The things that we've been living in, living in our whole life, but now it's a brand new truth because we see it with fresh eyes, okay? Look, we're not out seeking suffering. I'm not, this is not a call to be a martyr, okay? I'm not asking you guys to, to go out this week and, and find a way that you can create some suffering in your life so that Jesus can be glorified. That's not the intent. The intent is, is that when suffering comes, don't shy away from it. Ask God what he's doing. And then obey his call. Whatever it is he tells you to do, obey that out of love. And then step back and just see what happens. And, and here's the cool thing. If we're living in community the way God's called us to, you're not walking through that alone. You're going to have a group of people around you that love you, that care about you. And that as, as you were going through a really hard time, they're going to be right there beside you. Sometimes there's nothing they can do except sit there. Sometimes it might need, be that you need help in something, and they'll, they'll be available to do that. But if we're, not, if, if we're not communicating those things with one another, if we're not living in a sacrificial way, we miss those opportunities to experience new things about God because we've made it about us and not about Him. So this week, as, as you guys are discussing this in Life Group, I've, I've put some questions together um, that are going to be in that Faith Life app. You'll probably see them at the bottom. I think they're there. But... Have a look at those. And some of them are, are not so much questions are, as they are share a time when. I want you guys to be talking about some times when you're suffering because it may be that as a group, y'all can, you can share a time and you say, look, I was going through this and I have no idea what it was about. I don't, I don't understand. And you may still not, but it may be that you share that experience and somebody goes, oh, no, look, Jesus is calling. Yes. <laughs> so. As you guys this week are meeting with your life groups, share some stories. Be thinking about that in advance. Some times where you were suffering and, and maybe you knew that the Lord was using it, maybe you didn't. But I, I, I'm excited to hear about the conversation that y'all are going to have and how you can learn to, to suffer together. So let's pray. God, I thank you for just for a fresh look on the story of Christmas. Lord, I ask that, um, that this week, that as we spend time with you, that you would give us all uh, a fresh new look at a story that maybe has played out for us, a story that maybe we're tired of hearing. God, I ask that as we meet this week, Lord, that you would um, give us the, the courage to share some, some hard things and to have some hard conversations so that we can get fresh eyes, that we can look at things maybe in a new context and understand that, that when you do call us to suffering, when we go through hard times, that the purpose of that is not just about us, but it's about the people that are in our lives and them understanding better who you are and how you love them. We ask these things in Jesus' name.